They're coming. They're coming. Papa, Papa, I've seen a fast star. May I open the presents? Steady on. First, we've been working on a special little Polish surprise with Dina and Hamis. Three, four. Przywieźli do Betlejem pasterze, grają skocznie dzieciąteczku na lizie. Fała na wysokości, fała na wysokości, a pokój na ziemi. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing. How are you? Well, thank you so much for asking. And your name's Ryan. No, my name is Well, and I am doing Ryan. Ryan Wells. <laughs> That's possibly someone's name. Most definitely. Hello, Ke- Ryan Wells. You're listening to Spit and Polish Presents, the only podcast no, 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 to you- cover Polish films. No, Ryan Slowinski's listening to Spit and Polish. You're Ryan Wells. I am doing very well. Thank you much, so much for asking. <laughs> There's Thank- your catchphrase again. I'm doing very well. And a soft hey. But we are here to talk about a movie on our podcast, Spit and Polish Presents. We are spitting young gentlemen who are always presenting Polish culture to the youths of today. And and this episode's going to be a bit different. It's going to be a bit off the beaten path where we're not covering one of those foreign films. We're covering one of our own, a local product from the great nation of South Africa and Poland. Uh, joint effort with this and I can't it's a very multicultural film it's all so many cultures are represented so accurately and nicely without any bias and we are going to be talking about which film Bartek well why are we talking about a film is this some sort of podcast called pictures powwow where you got me that is exactly it I was going to hold that back because the people who have kidnapped us didn't want us to take too long to get to the point but We are Pictures Powwow, the original PP, as Bartek likes to say every time. And I I don't even remember if I came up with that or not. You did. You said we are the we are PP, and then we said it a bunch. (laughs) And then our friends from the Contrarians, who was who were our guest last episode, they stole PP for their patron pitch. Oh right. And I and I can't get past intellectual property theft so we are here to talk about a movie that comes recommended Bartek is the one to have recommended the movie for today the next episode will be a movie that I recommend and the one after that is from you the listening people so make sure to recommend films to us and we will eventually get around to them but Bartek what is the film that you have lobbied for this time? Yep. At long last, 300 and something episodes in, we're finally doing a Polish film because we managed to not only secure the film and get subtitles. And it is 2001's Wpuszczyna i Wpuszczy, or In Desert and Wilderness. In Desert and Wilderness? Yes. I guess we'll have to get used to saying that because I always just know the film by the Polish title. How about we interchange it every now and then? You say the Polish and I say the English one. Try to remember what it is. Puszczyna i Desert. Yes. And this is a film from 2001. Mm -hmm. We watched it in the original Polish with English subtitles. The DVD does provide an a very funny English dub <laughs> that I only heard the first scene worth of, but I had a great laugh at seeing these obvious Polish actors 
be dubbed over by funny British people. And so I had a good chuckle <laughs> yeah, normally, at that. Normally when we do non-English language films on the podcast, you like start the episode off with like dialogue from the film. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it with the dub? Oh, of course. <laughs> okay, then I have to leave the DVD with you. You then. have to leave the DVD <laughs> with me. Thank you, please. B- big shock, everyone. The DVD belongs to me. It does belong to Bartek, the one who recommended this. Now, listening people, we obviously say give this a watch for yourself. I would be brave to say that you have probably never watched a Polish movie, listening person. You've probably never sat down and watched a Polish-language film. Change that today. Change that with an epic tale about two young children who are in Africa and get captured by some nefarious foes, but then they break free and go on a journey of of coming-of-age, awakening, cultural understanding, and many other themes a hit, as well as be nice to elephants. They can be your friend. (laughs) This film has themes. This film has quote-unquote themes. Take notes, Game of Thrones. Take note, Game of Thrones. (laughs) Oh, man, this is a college book essay report or whatever the fuck I said it was. (laughs) Oh, themes only exist in uh, essays for school. I'm a professional writer. But... Bartek, please walk us down memory lane Mm -hmm. for this film. Obviously, you recommended it, so I assume you have a level of attachment. Uh, Yes, so this is a film that I've, I think I might have even alluded throughout the years, like, oh, there's this one Polish film that I wanted to recommend because I watched it as a kid, but, you know, we just can't do it because, uh, first of all, I knew that we bought the DVD at some point, but I assumed that it was somewhere in Poland or something like that. (laughs) Your dad had it? Yeah, maybe my dad had it, um, maybe at his house. And, uh, you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, it was only one DVD copy. We'd both have to watch it. Let's try to download a copy. And I can't remember if it was that I couldn't find the film or I couldn't find the subtitles, but it was like I couldn't get both things. And so, like many films that I've wanted to recommend, uh, I just had to put it off because, well, how are we going to do it? Um, it used to be a running joke on the show that there was an African film that I wanted to recommend and we still haven't gotten around to that one. Oh, I thought you were going to surprise me by saying, and this was the <laughs> African was film the... that I wanted to do. No, maybe, and I was like, whoa, maybe, you tricked me twice. <laughs> maybe if I sneak into Deakin University, I can get their copy. How about we phone up the university and ask very, very politely, can you please give me whatever the film was called? Please, please. I got a good mark on that Gribovica essay. It was oh. for the same class. Um, but anyway, uh, this film, uh, couldn't find the DVD. Then a couple of weeks ago, I recommended Amadeus, mm. and I knew that we had a DVD copy of it, but I could not find it, and I never did find it. And I looked through, we had this very big pile of DVDs in our living room, and I went through it like five times. And at some point, I came across this one. I was like, oh, shit, it's, it's, it's been here this whole time. So that kind of jump-started the process of, okay, now I can get it on the show, but now how do we both watch it? So I have to learn uh, how to get subtitles off a DVD, and that was a big Uh, journey. A big journey. Big journey. But I've somehow managed to do it, so I thought, yes, now I have the film, and now I can give Ryan the DVD, and we can finally do a Polish film on Spit and Polish Presents, the number four Polish podcast. Yeah, we're in the top ten. Top ten. So you went over the journey to get this on here, but 
give me a bit more of an understanding yes, the of actual history. your your relationship with it, your views on it over time. So you saw this when you were a lot younger? I was, yeah, a lot younger. So this film came out when I was eight. I must have seen it a few years after that. I don't remember the full context. I know that my my parents must have shown it to me. Maybe my dad did. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they'd. Maybe one of them had seen it before. I maybe should ask mm-hmm. for more specifics. But I remember having seen it, and it was like the only live action Polish film that I really remember having seen as a kid. There must have been others, but I remember more like cartoons that were Polish or Polish dubbed, <laughs> but just from Europe, um, like Tintin. I remember that was a big one. Uh, and eventually we bought the DVD. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that film. I really liked it. You know, I'll watch it again. So I've definitely seen it only like two or three times, but it was all the way back in like early 2000s time. So it's just one that I've remembered having seen. I remembered little bits of it, mostly for the second half where they're traveling with the Africans. Mm. Um, and I just remember being kind of fond of it. And I always remembered that title. I didn't even know until a few years ago, um, what it meant in desert and wilderness. And also, yeah, around uni time, I was, I remembered it. I looked it up. I'm like, oh, this film has like a Western director who's done like X-Men Origins Wolverine. And this is a thing from my childhood that, you know, I don't know if anyone would have heard of. So it was just this really weird thing. And that ties into my history. You've referenced this over the years. And it's been that one that you said, if there was a Polish movie I could get on the podcast, it would be this one, but I have to work to get it, as you've said. Yeah. And you mentioned that the director was the guy who did X-Men Origins Wolverine. And so I assumed that, oh, he's a Polish director and he's gone over to America and done American movies. That's not unusual. And so when I did a little bit of digging and conversations with you and even our guests from last episode. He's not Polish. He is South African. And so Mm. that really threw me for a loop of what to expect from this, because I didn't really know a single thing about the movie. I I kept forgetting the title of it, because I have the DVD, so I don't need to see the title because it's in Polish. It's a DVD from Poland. And so so I see some African imagery on there, and so... I guess I didn't connect in my brain that Gavin Hood is the director who has had a very versatile career. He is from South Africa. Yes, he has directed X-Men Origins Wolverine and Ender's Game are the big American blockbusters. Mm. But to give him fair credit, outside of those and this movie... He's actually had pretty well-received films. He is very much like, uh, I can't remember the director of The Snowman, but like the director of The Snowman, he seems to really enjoy those slow-burn procedurals, those slow-burn, what you would call very bureaucratic approach to espionage and, mm. and, and reporting and stuff like that. He's had a few of those movies. There was a movie, I think, last year that came out with Kira Knightley, uh, something about top like secrets like his secrets or top secrets or whatever that is exactly this type of thing and it's very well received and i just wanted to shout that out because there's a novelty to the south african director doing the polish film but there's also people would go oh it's going to be a silly bad movie because he directed the arguably the worst x-men film i also didn't know too much about him it was like just that one fact that i remembered learning like he's not actually polish he's just this random guy that doesn't even really speak polish directing this film yeah and then it was only really like after i rewatched it last night that i properly looked stuff up i linked you an article i found that talked a bit about it and i even read that like a few years after this film 
he made a film that won Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars, and it's the second and most recent film from Africa to have won that award. Isn't that absolutely insane? And to give a little bit of further information, there was a Polish director. This is a Polish production. Obviously, there's lots of African talent behind the camera as well as in front because they're filming in Africa, in South Africa, but... It is very much a Polish story. Yes. This is a remake of a film. This is based on a book, I do believe. But the director who was originally slated to do this, he had a a, a medical episode. It was a kidney thing, if I'm I'm recalling correctly. I can't remember what it was, but but yeah. He had the very much stiff upper lip, I can still do it. And everyone said, no, you can't. You're in hospital. Sit back. We have to get a last second replacement. We can't fly someone in from Poland. We need a local talent. Mm. And so Gavin Hood had to step up and work on this production that every single trivia fact about this movie revolves around the making of it. How much material was used for the costumes or how much they traveled physically on the land to film this movie or how much water the crew consumed to make this movie. This is one where blood, sweat, and tears was made into it. And something that I would love to know more about is Gavin Hood having to wrangle together the uh, production of people who spoke multiple different languages. Because this is a film where some of the actors are dubbed over because they're speaking their natural language. Mm. And I just want to know what it's like for someone like Gavin Hood, who's a part of this Polish production, having to work with people who don't speak his language, yeah, really. That, that was the big mystery for me ever since I learned, like, this isn't a Polish card. It's like, how did he do it then? Translators. Translators. Just slowly and surely get there. I also read the trivia point about how the African characters didn't know Polish and they just spoke phonetically. I'm like, they did a pretty good job of it. Yeah, you can tell us a bit about that because obviously you know Polish. I, I just hear it all. I'm like, yep, I'm reading the subtitles. Yeah, there, there, are, there are some points in this film where I'm like, oh, that subtitle, it's like not a big deal that it was inaccurate, but they gave an extra detail that wasn't mentioned. Ooh. There are like two or three points where that happened for me. So to cut to the chase, I did enjoy this movie. I thought it dragged on a little bit too long. There were sequences of events where I scratched my head going, but didn't you say you're going to do this? So why isn't that happening? There was this middle part of the movie where they made a little camp together and they were surviving. But before that, there was a real urgency of, we've got to go here. We've got to go here now. We've got to gather resources. We've got to go there. And then the urgency flitted away in the wind and we kind of just had a hangout film. Mm. And I was wondering where we were going. And if I have a big complaint is this is a story that necessitates random outside forces coming in to then launch a new plot into being. Oh, they escape because this one guy that they knew decided to be merciful and help the kids escape and he died. So obviously you can't come with them. And then, oh, here's a random geographer explorer man who's dying from an infection. So he'll give them the maps that they need. So now they can start their journey. There was a few too many of those Deus Ex Machina type uh, presence in there. And I'm really upset with the film spends a majority of the first half really acclimatizing us to the time period, the geopolitical landscape, And then when you get out of there, it never really matters. And so I was left thinking, wow, you've set up this 
this cult of fanatical Muslims with a high degree of nuance for nothing. Yeah, the film opens on that too, and and for that whole first half where it's, it's focusing on the uh, the Mahdists, I think mm-hmm. they're called. Uh, it, it really did seem like, oh, this is going to be a, a plot that's developed throughout the entirety of the film, but it really is just like a first half thing. The The only thing we get is like an illusion of two of them when Nell is really sick near the end. Yeah. And that was and it. I was expecting this movie to be about faith, about religion, <laughs> about beliefs of... Muslim culture and the native culture and the Polish culture and what's this all going to be like and that doesn't really enter in as strongly as you would expect but overall I had a pleasant time with this a little too long meanders a little bit too for my liking and I don't know how to feel about the tone I'm still wrestling with the (laughs) fact that this dealt with such hard-hitting ideas and concepts and yet played it so whimsically and light for yeah. the most part. I was going to say, because earlier I mentioned that I mostly remember the second half of this film, so I spent most of the first half being like, man, I really don't remember a lot of this. I remember more of like the, the wilderness stuff rather than the desert stuff, I guess. Is it weird that our main boy kills people, and yet it's the girl, the little girl who did not kill those people, that feels guilt about that? He doesn't really feel that guilty after he's done the deed. Like he's never really living with the fact that he has killed people to survive. Yet the the Nell, the younger girl, when she's having a fever and whatever, she sees these figures that they've had to dispense with along the way to survive. Mm. She's going through a psychological thing about what they've had to do to get here. But he doesn't. He's just Mr. Ah, uh, fuck it! I'll figure out how to fish on my own uh, terms, and then I'll do it your way. I guess. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't think he was that blasé about it, but he certainly was. Yeah, moving on from it. He wasn't blasé within the moment, but afterwards, if you like, be honest with me. Four scenes later, you wouldn't have been able to tell me that. Oh yeah, this is a kid that's just murdered people. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> he moves on very quickly. Like you said, yeah, there, there is a interesting tonal thing going on here. Um, in reading about the film, uh, you know, there was a 70s version and it, and it was a book originally, and it, it did seem like a lot of things were changed from that. And even that article that I linked you, um, it, it talked about how Gavin Hood like read the book or at least like familiarized himself with it and just like specifically excised a bunch of things like, um, we're not putting that in the film. Like he turns the, the two African characters like Catholic baptizes them and then they go back to their village and make them all catholic he's like no let's let's have them both learn from each other about their cultures or like actually talk about their to each other yeah so there were definitely some changes going on and maybe you know the tone was hit in the crosshairs somewhere there i can definitely see that being a case so what was it like for you to actually sit down and watch this movie in full again after all of this time you've said the first half was a real surprise for you you didn't really Mm. recollect this but how did the film shake out overall i think i'm similarly to you i I had a pleasant time with it it's definitely faulty but I, i can see why i enjoyed it when i was younger the parts that i remembered and yeah, it was just a nice little adventure story that does have a few conveniences and uh, bold text really does end. I can't believe it just ends as soon as they meet their dad and they decide to meet their dads. <laughs> I don't even think and the dads it, say anything in that scene either. 
yeah, I can't recollect. And then it just ends sunset. It was a thing where like they were hugging and like really sad and I, I had to pause it for something. I'm like, oh, there's eight minutes left. This is really going to wrap up, you know, nicely in, in eight minutes and three minutes later, credits. Gone. <laughs> I was truly shocked. Yeah, I... <sighs> where do you want to begin? Like, what do, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I guess the setting is the River War, the late mm. 1800s, which I didn't know too much about, but mm. um, a big conflict happening there with the Sudanese and something in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They took, they toppled the government uh, and they were really going at it for a couple of decades. I know Winston Churchill was involved in his early military career there. Mm. Um, and this is it's the the war is still happening at this point. Um, the Mahdi faction uh, are the antagonists of that first half of the film, and also just the war in general from this film's perspective. Um, they hatch a plan to uh, kidnap these two kids of a British and Polish uh, were they soldiers. No, they were navigators or something. Yeah, they were high ranking people. High ranking people. Um, kidnap them for some sort of plot, and that's kind of what kicks off the adventure. Um, and a- along the way, when they break free, they also break free with two African slaves that they kidnapped, and like they go on an adventure with that. So that's kind of our structure of the film. Um, and it's a story, it's sort of like a coming of age with the two kids, uh, Stash and Nell. Um, Stash is the older boy, he's meant to be about 14, Nell's the young girl who's meant to be about 8. Yep, and um, those actors were those roughly those ages in real life. I, I looked it up because, and there was this sequence at the beginning where they're playing at the beach, and they were far away from each other, but when he stood next to her, I had a real disorientation of, is she just incredibly small for a child, or is he an adult, or older, pretending to be younger, and then I looked it up, and no, they were just those ages, and I think she's just a little girl. Yeah, she's de- but definitely. But she girl. looked like an eight-year-old. Like there was no doubt in my mind she was not. Like, I didn't think she was six years yeah, old. I knew se- she was older, but she's just so little. She sounded and acted like an eight-year-old Polish girl, so it was obvious to me. <laughs> not but, uh, British. <laughs> not British. Well, she is British. Her last name's like Rowlingson or something. Rowlson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, she she idolizes him. They clearly became friends through this, not the conflict, but like beforehand, their fathers got along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you mentioned earlier that she uh, was the one conflicted about a lot of things, it's because like she idolizes this guy so much. Um, you know, he can he can solve any problem. You know, the elephant's trapped somewhere. Well, Stash, you're going to fix it. We're not leaving until you do it because I know you can do it. That kind of thing is going on. Um, that's sort of the dynamic they have. Uh, a question I, I'm very curious to know the answer to, and I haven't done uh, the deepest of research into this, but I've done this light, yeah. is a Polish story. It keeps coming back to that. The, the 70s film was Polish. The book. What is it about this specific story that is Polish and needs to be retold more than once? Because that was something I felt very at distance with, because I said to you right before we recorded, they wait until a while in for them to even verbalize that one of the main characters is Polish, and he shares a tale about some Polish customs that everyone else looks at quizzically. And that's basically it. I mean, 
I don't really know too much about this conflict either, but I was surprised to learn that the Polish were here. I'm like, well, what's their point of view in this? And so I just wanted to know just from either what you've looked at or just your perspective of having watched the movie, what about this is such an inherently Polish tale, I guess? It's a good question. I'm not even entirely sure of the answer to that, because when I was researching about the film, I was getting a lot of information about like the book specifically, and I was also getting a sense that like people generally prefer the 70s version, and I only recommended this film because I know I'd seen it. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought, oh, there's that 2001 film, Pushini uh, Pushta, that I really like, so let's recommend that. And then having seen it, it's like, oh, there's actually a big history behind this. So it looks like uh, the book of this film apparently is a very common book for Polish students to read. Mm. I read some trivia fact that... um. You know how they have the Middle Eastern uh, servant at the beginning, yes. who's the one that like kind of kicks off the betrayal? The scorpion, and then he saves yeah. them. Hamis, I think yeah. his name was. Uh, apparently, in the book, he is the most monstrous of the people that kidnap them. Oh, wow. Uh, whereas in this movie, uh, he's the most sympathetic one because he's torn between, like, this is my blood, this is you know my religion my religion but also i care about you they don't practice us to kill children yeah and apparently uh one tactic that polish teachers would use to tell whether someone had read the book or seen the movie is well how do they talk about the hummus character Hmm. if they talk about him like he's kind it's like you haven't read the book you've only seen the movie and that was pretty funny that is funny yeah but apparently it's it's yeah a classic book to teach in schools but apparently a lot of people kind of find it a bit boring so but i guess you know young people yeah I, I would love to know more about the book and how it captures the the polish psyche because mm. one of the reviews on imdb that's one of the three one of the three is a is a the, the low rated one really gets into how this film fails as an adaptation that it rushes through it mm. and that they felt that it was trying to appeal to 21st century which is very funny because it's like we're a year in uh into the 21st century yeah. but 21st century values but they say i do believe a polish director should have stood at the helm of this project although i understand that a director on site uh, had to be found because the initial one was ill what does stand out like and they, and they talk about like the, the 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 technicals are great but the heart is missing because this doesn't have a polish voice behind this story mm. and i just would love to know what that means in the relation to this because if you look at this strictly from just what we saw and what the story is written out to be this could have been two British kids. This could have been uh, a Russian kid. I I don't know, yeah, and I would love to know. Because there's, there's so many different representations in the film that if you were, you know, like deaf and you were only going on the subtitles, you could probably not tell like what language was being spoken. And you and I have never done a Polish film on this podcast, and so when we were doing one, I wasn't necessarily expecting a period piece. And so when it was a period piece, like when we, whenever you do a period piece, like when we did Breaker Morant, hmm. there's a level of, okay, it's a period piece from this country. It's going to have to bundle up something very significant about that nation or that culture. And Breaker Morant did that, where it showed the difference between British and Australian. But this, it, it really, at least to my eyes, didn't really do that. It was more about 
this generalized sense of being more understanding and open and learning about other cultures, and that the overall imperialist nature that hung over Africa during this time period, and arguably even now, has had such detrimental consequences over that continent. And it's up to our two white characters to learn more because we start out the film and I don't know if you had the sensation we start out the film with them living such idyllic easy life mm. that I was rubbing my hands going oh I can't wait for something to come up and come in and fuck them up real good because yeah. they lived this lavish life with basically slaves yeah, beachside big manor shooting guns at servants and they're cowering in fear and it's all jokey fun fun gets a big dog for christmas and they're having a great time and all of the african people and they can't pull the dog with the rope because it's so heavy and the guy trips over (laughs) yeah and it's played up for yucks in a weird way but there's an ominous threat looming over this and i was rubbing my hands going oh i can't wait for this to be ruined their lives to be ruined but yeah there's just something about it, I wanted to know. I wanted. I'm. I'm keen to know more from Polish people. Like, what is it about this story, not this movie, but this story, that is something that you tie so close to to you? Because when we study books in high school, hmm. we get books from like other countries. But when we do our own stories, our own poetry, there's something inherently Australian about them. Yeah. And I'm just looking at just this movie. I don't know what is the the Polish thing. In fact, it's, I had to keep reminding myself that they were speaking Polish outside <laughs> of like some of the words I, I recognized from years of talking to you or whatever it is, or just the accents. I had a good chuckle when the dad said no multiple times and he said it like, just I had a good chuckle at that. Yeah, I guess it's weird because you do have films from cultures where, you know, what's something interesting that a film in a culture can do? Oh, let's have our characters go to another country and like really show our people like what this country is like. And yeah, the Polish film I've picked is one where they're kind of doing that for Africa. And it's a period piece thrown back in time. Mm. And it's about two Polish kids who, uh, you know, they're, they're young. They're not really influential towards the events of the film. It's more about like, well, how do these two uh, children who, you know, don't have that power who are thrown into a situation that they weren't prepared for survive in, you know, the wilds. And then they reveal that Nell wrote this story all along. (laughs) That was the kind of twist at the end, or not twist, but like the leading us off of she's going to write this as a story because it's so fantastical. No one would believe it. Well, everyone has to know about King. Everyone has to know about King the Elephant. This movie I also found, and this adds up, it was broadcast in three episode chunks on Polish television in 45 minute chunks. Because when you look up Gavin Hood, the director, it has this movie twice, but one of them is a three episode series version of 45 minutes. I didn't notice that. And once you know that, it makes sense because this really does have that episodic quality where the first half is about the the setup and the Mardis and and the getting out of there and surviving. Then the second half is them surviving in the jungle, in the just jungle the four of and, them. And, and the desert, and then them meeting with Their the tribe, tribe and then, and then, going then having to, the to go desert, back home. Yeah. Yeah. And the dad, the dads uh, put in once every segment, basically, to remind yeah, you that he's an ongoing thread. Okay. And so once I knew that, I'm like, okay, this, this, this does have that. I wonder this, if that was intentional, like when they were making it. 
I have no clue, but I do think it adds to the almost disjointed nature that this takes in. And so I wanted to ask you, what was your favorite stretch of the film now? Uh, I, I still do very much enjoy the latter two ones. I really like the quartet that we have of the, mm. the, the two white characters and the two African characters. Because um, you know, we get a lot of equal ground dialogue between the two of them where they talk about their own perspectives um, and also just, you know, being Polish. I think of Polish people, people that speak Polish as, you know, being white people, but you're seeing these African characters like actually speaking Polish and reading the trivia point about how they were only speaking phonetically. They didn't know what they were saying. I already mentioned it, but I was amazed at how kind of well they did. It was definitely like broken Polish. Oh, yeah. And the uh, the the subtitles mostly got it across when they said their names in third person, but I, I could hear it as well. Oh, good. It's one of those stories where... Uh, the the way that language is played with in most English films, you would give it like that that hand wave of of course everyone speaks English because we the audience speak yeah. English. It's it's a fun trope. Like oh yeah, everyone in this universe speaks the language of the film. But yeah, I haven't really encountered everyone speaks Polish. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a good, had it's, a good it's, laugh about that. Yeah, it's. it's it's more funny than like, oh, everyone in Yu-Gi-Oh speaks English. All the Egyptians, yeah, English. I just really <laughs> liked the the first chunk with the setup of this conflict and them being kidnapped and the stakes were raised and when they actually met with the with the Mahdi and him trying to convert them to mm. Islam and his conversation with the young boy and how he didn't want to convert because I would do it out of fear and you wouldn't want someone in your some faith good lines to be there, yeah. a coward. And that actor who played the Mahdi and basically all of the actors who played the, the fanatics were really great. And I wanted to see them interact with these characters more, but then they moved away from that. Once they escaped from the, like after the lion scene, it's, oh, yeah, it's what done. happened to that? The, the guy that was helping them break out. I love that. The guy. Greek guy. Yeah. He was yeah. great. He was a really fun character. And then when we moved to the middle part, I also enjoyed it, but I, I felt a bit frustrated because I didn't understand why we were spending so much time here when the the, the level of urgency was very much underlined that we have to keep moving. And then they said, no, we're not. We're staying here now. Mm. Get that snake out of the tree. Use your spirit stuff to get it out of the tree. And then, oh, here's an elephant. Let's eat it. And I, oh, there's so many moments. I don't know if you had this. There's so many moments when these children were saying and doing things, and I was like almost parenting them while they were doing it. <laughs> I'm like, no, Nell, don't go down there and play with the elephant. Yes, it may seem like it's your friend, but it could hurt you. And then, then he comes in, and I'm like, no, don't bring your gun in there and threaten the elephant, you fucking idiot. Like, it's I a, agree with you. It was a very grown-up kind of attitude to have, yeah. I was agreeing with him. I didn't him. have that as a kid. <laughs> I, did, I agreed with him, but I was like, why are you threatening You're it with a gun? You're doing it the wrong way. You're doing it in such an arrogant way that it will provoke the elephant, you stupid idiot. Uh, who did you prefer out of our two leads? Did you prefer Nell, or what was the boy's name? Stash. Stash. No, I liked Stash. I mean, he, he, he got things done. Um, he had a lot of good conversations with Carly. I really liked the fishing scene. Oh, that was a great scene. He's like, what do you do? Just ask the fish to come in the net. That's going to do it. It's not going to do it if you're not polite. 
I do appreciate that he did catch the fish by being very passive aggressive and mean. They <laughs> said thank you though. Yeah, but he was the other things he said were mean. <laughs> like you have nothing else worth living for. Get in my nets. <laughs> I ah uh, oh, man, I I was team Nell all the way. I I I really like that actress. I thought she did a bang up job. I again, I don't speak the language. So I'll get you to talk about that in a second. But just from what I could gather, I thought she was the strongest performer in the kids i thought she really did a great job uh, she, the physicality she seemed sweet but she also didn't have that uh, uh precocious energy she just seemed like an actual child yeah who wanted to do the best that they could and maybe that was uh, not too precocious not too bratty like right level of kind of annoyance so it's like how much longer that kind of thing. yeah i didn't really find her annoying no, i found I, not, annoying. I didn't either but it, it was definitely something that was kind of present there where it's like mm. oh now look you just need to calm down we need to get through this and you know i'm being the grown-up here they used her in the right amount not too much of her being the drama point oh she's got the malaria oh no she's on the elephant oh no this is happening now we have to go get now they they didn't milk that too much it was a, it was all pretty even keeled but i want to know we talk about foreign films on the pod and there's always been that conversation of like we don't speak the language so we're gonna have to just <laughs> go on gut feeling that they're good performances and that this is a well-constructed movie from a foreigner perspective. Now, you do speak the language. You oh, know yeah, a good majority of, of the Polish language. Yeah. So you know, how, you know how when we do, uh, I think I mentioned this already in our Facebook conversation, but it's like when we watched uh, a lot of Czech films, other films from the Slavic region, or just generally hear Russian in any mm -hmm. movie, there's the occasional word that I pick up. For this, it was like the opposite. There was just like the occasional word I didn't know, mm -hmm. but based on the context of the scene and also I had subtitles, I'm like, okay, that that must mean this. Or I've heard this word used before. I guess that's what it means. So, yeah, it was a little bit more comfortable for me just hearing what was being said. But, yeah, I still did need the subtitles for a bit. But <laughs> The performance, you're asking. Yeah, how, how – and just the general production of it. Like, how did it feel to you know, be watching a foreign film and you actually know the language? What was hmm. that like for you and how did it apply to, to this movie? It was comfortable. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. The A lot of the characters who are fluent in Polish, they sounded like exactly like Polish people I know. Uh, it was delivered in the right way. The characters who clearly didn't speak Polish but weren't dubbed, uh, you could tell that they were... Uh, you know, not native in the language. Like, I uh, really liked Kali and Mia whenever they spoke Polish. Um, yeah, there was like a sort of uh, stiff pace to how they were talking. Um, I could hear like the, the uh, like key words being said, and the subtitles kind of made the bit more natural sentences. Mm. Um, I mentioned before there were points in the film where like subtitles were like slightly reworded or didn't add a detail. Like, I remember the first time it happened was. Um, when that one servant had the scorpion bite her and then the doctor was uh, giving the diagnosis or, or talking about how she'll be, the subtitle said that, like, oh, she'll be out for a few days, I think. Mm -hmm. um, what he actually said was that she'll be unwell for a few days, but she should be up and running tomorrow. So I was like, oh, okay, you changed the details a bit there, but in the end it didn't matter. There was another point where... Um, Kali took Stash to the top of that cliff to say, like, look, there are people there. Who could they be? And the subtitles said, like, oh, they might be slave traders. 
And I could hear that in his dialogue. He mentioned like the the Polish word for like black people. So it's like mm. must have been something like, oh, he they must be searching for black people. It's uh, like, oh, okay, the the idea is still kind of the same, but it's it's, it's more specific. More specific. So it's just little things like that where it didn't matter too much, but I could hear it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've Makes always... me wonder how often that happens in other films. An aspect that we haven't got to talk about too much is the technicals of this. I thought this was a really well shot movie. Mm. I liked the color palette. I liked the natural lighting as well as the obviously artificial lighting that they had. I am very uneasy about the music, though. I thought the music... Okay, so... This is made in 2001, but the music sounds like it's from a 60s epic. Like, this could have been something you heard with Lawrence of Arabia. A lot of it did feel very old-fashioned, especially the music. And I guess that lines up with what we're doing here. This is an old-fashioned story. This is an old-fashioned Late 1800s, yeah. And it's a give and take, but at the same time, the visuals were so clean and modern, modern for the time, that I had a bit of a disconnect between the the big trumpety da, 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 music and and the acting and the the direction otherwise not playing to that style of movie. I don't know if you had that at all. I mostly remember in terms of music like the main theme that the film opens and ends on. I remember liking that. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to bring up about? What was it in Desert? In desert and wilderness. In desert well, in and wilderness wil- and desert. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've got me questioning it, I'm getting it wrong, maybe. Um, there was something, but I was listening to you. And I hey, you can't help but listen to me when I talk. <laughs> yeah, there's the ending just happens. We said that. It's just mm. very abrupt. There's when, when Carly goes back to his tribe and they've overthrown his father, now he overthrows the other guy, but then he doesn't kill that guy because our white heroes say, don't do it. Yeah, it felt like a lot of things were skipped there. I mean, I guess from the article, we missed the part where they get converted to Catholicism. Oh, uh, don't we all miss that part? Oh, I miss the Catholicism. I miss the Catholicism. But overall, I, I had a very good time with it. I am glad that I've now watched a Polish film yeah. and can say that it is under my belt and that I've done it. I could see that in another universe where, you know, we started this podcast and we actually are guys in Poland who are doing like unappreciated masterpieces and, you know, doing mm. a bunch of Polish films there. This might have been one that we did. Mm. Where it's like, oh yeah, we'll talk it up. But like in in reality, it's like, oh, it's, it's a sort of middling in quality, but it's enjoyable. Would you say it's five, like f- 5.1 out of 10 stars? Yeah, it was like 5.2 on IMDb or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'd bump it up to a six, six and a bit. Six and a bit. I don't really do, you know, ratings like that, but it, it do doesn't I. feel like it's like half good, half bad. I think it's got a bit more good. It's really crazy that this is the lowest rated film in this director's filmography. Hmm. When he directed X-Men Origins Wolverine. I haven't actually seen it, but I've only heard that it's bad. He fights Will I Am. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I knew that he fights himself. Yeah, of course. Is Deadpool in it? I think I heard that he's in Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they sew his mouth shut. Yeah. So he doesn't quip? He stops being able to quip after a certain point. Oh, wow. They should make that into a Deadpool film. Well, Deadpool, the movie, does reference that as a thing. Oh, it's so. canon. Gavin Hood's canon to you know, yeah, Deadpool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all canon. 
No, Deadpool makes everything fucking canon. Green Lantern's canon. They should make a, a third Deadpool film where they watch Pushchini. Well, Pushchini. they are making a third Deadpool movie right now with Hugh Jackman in it as the Wolverine. So there you go. Well, they should get the actress that played Nell. The the kids are both still acting. They must look that yeah. up. Um, he is acting a bit more than she is, but both of them have been like in those Polish TV shows that have like thousands of episodes, and they've <laughs> done them for like fifteen years or whatever. Okay. So I wonder if my mum knows what they are. <laughs> Your mum. There was one that she watched for a lot called like Pierwsza Miłość. I don't know if she. What does that mean? Uh, first love. Ah, uh, my first love. Now I read a trivia point that apparently. And I don't know if it's for this film. It must have been for, like, the books of the first film. But someone on the internet made a webcomic sequel or, like, webcomic inspired by this where it's, like, steampunk adventures of Stasha Nell. Okay. I'm glad that they've earned and it's that. And it's called, like, the, the Polish title was basically The New Adventures of Stasha Nell. I, it, most of the websites that had it were down, but I did see some screenshots of them, like, <sighs> Stand, they're a little bit older and they're standing from this like huge like monster or something that's been that's felled. That's cute. It's a new king had a girlfriend. King had, yeah, he did. With only one trunk though. One tusk. Tusk, sorry, yes. They but... all have one trunk. <laughs> uh, one yes, T word. One T word, one T virus. So I recommend it if you are able to find a copy of this. Of course, it might be beneficial if we can later in the timeline of events watch the original 70s version i don't know how easy it is to get mm. a copy of that but i wouldn't object to going over that yeah, because we like doing that when we did kung pao we did go back and watch tiger and crane fists yeah we did far out i'm glad i remember the title but I do recommend it. Bartek, would you recommend this? I do. It's a fun little film. Don't expect, you know, the greatest thing ever. But, yeah, it's fun. It's not going to break your world in half. But it's it's light. It's entertaining. And, again, it seems like it deals with some very heavy topics. But it does it in a very jovial way. Where this is definitely something you could show to children. Yeah. Your, your, your 12-year-olds or so. That they, they could get something out of this. Especially if they're Polish, of course. <laughs> You're looking at an example right here, yeah. I also, in, in the article that I keep mentioning about Gavin Hood, I did like... The point where, uh, you know, because they got him and he's from the region, um, he described a lot of things that happened in this film. It's like, yeah, this, this is accurate. This is like what I grew up around. I, I like that that was a touch that the film got from having him as the director. And I don't know about the 70s version, but it is very impressive that they did go all the way over to Africa to film and do stuff and have actual lions and elephants and all of that. I'm sure in the original film they probably did bring those in, but I don't know if they just filmed it in a pol- in Poland and just said, yeah, it's Africa. <laughs> I don't know. This is the forest near Bartek's dad's house. Sure, sure. But that is the film. Now, are you ready to hear what I'll be recommending for the podcast? No, but I'll have to hear it anyway. You're not ready? Not ready, but just lay it on me anyway. I'll get, I'll get through it. Why aren't you ready? Uh, you know, I just was thinking about stuff and things. And, and you things know. <laughs> different to stuff. Yeah. Now, I'm recommending a movie that I have not seen before, but it's been because it's Polish. in periphery of me. We're doing another animated film, a Japanese animated film. Ooh. And I swear to you, I'm not choosing this just because the title is funny to hear you say, mm-hmm. but it is 
the title Penguin Highway. Okay. And why is it funny for Bartek to say Bartek? <laughs> because Bartek is. This is a big plot twist. I, I'm Polish. <gasps> And the Polish word for the animal of the first word is pingvin. And uh, as a little boy, Bartek loved pingwiny. And when he learned the English word, uh, he thought, oh, it's, there's just one difference. It's win instead of vin. So it's pingwin. He's been calling it pingwin all, his, all of his life. Every time he does it on the podcast, I give him an eyebrow like, what the f- I'm aware of it when I do it, but you know I have to be I have to but be true to myself. Penguin Highway is the film of choice. I remember hearing some word of mouth about it at the time and just seeing images it of it. Ooh, I would have to look that up again, but it was I would say you know mid 2010s. Mm. I, swear I, I remember heard the name. seeing images from it that look just appealing. The the artwork looks appeal the artwork looks appealing to me. So we'll be venturing back into Japanese animation with that one. So make sure to give the film a watch for yourself. We'll be watching it in the original Japanese with subtitles, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where it is available to watch, but you'll find it. This is a pretty new and significant movie. This is one of those where it's like, I can go to my local DVD entertainment store and there it will be as one of the top DVDs in the anime section for movies. It's just always there. I've I've had that temptation like you do when you go to uh, a secondhand store or or, or to wherever and you see, oh, here's an anime that I am maybe familiar with or don't know. I'll buy it on DVD for $2. Yeah, for me, cash converted. It's like, oh, here's an anime thing for a single digit dollar price. Mm -hmm. I'll grab it. Well, me, I'll see something in a more proper DVD store and it'll be like, yeah, 15 bucks. Do I want to buy this random movie with penguins on the cover that looks art, like art, art wise looks pleasing to me and I know nothing about it? Maybe not today. But I've I've still had that hunger of like, do I want to get that? Uh, let's watch it for the podcast and right. then decide. Be, be honest, you just want more pen pen. <laughs> I want more. I want more pingu. <laughs> pingu. Pingu. If this movie is exactly like pingu, as a small child, when I watched pingu, I thought it was in another language. I didn't think it was <laughs> gibberish. I thought it was just French or something. So I was trying to make meaning out of newt newt and stuff. There is. It's th- just nothing. It's there, just silliness. There is an anime made by uh, the same guy that made Utena, which we're planning on watching soon. Uh, from early 2010s called Mawaru Penguin Drum. <laughs> I watched it a few years ago. It was like right when Dirty Harry Minute was finishing up, I remember. Um, and that one was a very weird anime where I think the penguins were added in just for cute factor. They weren't really a big part of the main plot. What? How can you not have them be a big part of the main plot? Come on. It was a very weird anime. But everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next time with some penguin shenanigans, or as Bartek calls them, penguins. Penguins! Nuke nuke, motherfucker! That's a, that's Pingu's iconic line. Wait, there you go. His name's Pingu. Why would I not think it's Penguin? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they're speaking a real language. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Polish.